Hello everyone, welcome to the Desolation Sounds podcast. My name is Stephen Hook and this is a podcast celebrating everything to do within the world of alternative music, be that rock, punk, metal or extreme metal. Uh, hey, how's it going? It's been, uh, it feels like it's been longer than just two weeks since I've last done one of these. It's harder to record at the moment because we've got an extra body in the house. Um, it's mildly temporary. We're all in the process of moving out, at which point, hopefully I should have my own place where I can record whenever. It's just getting to that point. Yeah, it's it's difficult. It's okay. Uh, coming up on this week's show, uh, we've got our reviews from Off With Their Heads, Funeral Fuck, Car Bomb, Nick Cave and the Bad Seas, Being as an Ocean, and Leprous, which is a good oof. Um, but coming up... Good time, it's been a while. First of all, Let's start the same way we always start, even when we're not on time. Uh, we're going to start with the news, and it's been a huge week of reforms, which we'll get to in a second. But first, want to talk about Arctangent. It is the festival I most want to go to more than any other, uh, even more than Bloodstock. And I really, really want to go to Bloodstock. It's the only festival consistently that gets praised upon better than uh, download. And it's in that hemisphere, I feel like it is breaking up to be one of the major festivals where Arctangent are still, because it's quite niche, it's still a little bit more underground, if that makes sense. Arctangent, though, still got, well, just released its first round of bands. So you have, starting from the bottom to the top, there's a few, so hold on to your butts. You've got Mountain Caller, Fez, The K, Tank Engine. I don't know why I thought I was going to struggle with that. Uh, Brickville? As soon as I said I'm not going to struggle, fuck you. Uh, I think that says Luo, Vasa. Uh, Body Hound, Boss Colloid, Curses Metal Hands, which of course is the collaboration between Conjurer and Pine. They're not called Pigeon. Who would call them Pigeon? That's ridiculous. Steak, Alpha Male Tea, Par- Tea Party, Svalbard, Ohms, Scalping, Quell vs. Kenny, Ghost, Racket Cannon, uh, Frontier, Giraffes, Giraffes. All the way around. Giraffes? Giraffes. Uh, Earth Tone 9, Roland Tomasi, Perturbator, This Will Destroy You, Amenra. Tesseract, Ishan, and the first headline that's been announced is Opeth. What a fucking great lineup that is. Holy butts. Um, who am I looking forward to for that? Ghost, the like synthwave industrial black metal symphonic thing. Uh, really, really entertaining things. I, I can't remember what the album's called, but it came out um, last year. It was unlike... I tried to get into the synthwave thing with like Perturbator and... Oh, I can see the artwork, but I can't remember what they're called. Oh. Nope, it's gone. It's gone forever. Um, I remember buying it, actually. Carpenter Brute, that was what they're called. I definitely didn't stop recording, so I could go have a look. But Perturbator, Carpenter Brute, that sort of thing. I tried to get into that big synthwave movement that came up um, to start of this year. I just can't. It's fun for like the first song, but then everything sort of, sort of like melding together. Ghost, excuse me, Ghost, I think, are like a modern day or like a new version of the algorithm. Making something that's popular, start to get kind of stale, and then just gave it a kick up the arse and made it like super interesting again. So very much look, I uh, would be interested in seeing Ghost. Um, who else? Boss Colloid. I have heard one song or like one snippet from the album they released was last year, year before. And it's on my to listen list. It sounds incredible just from that. So 
haven't gone around to it yet, but it's a band that I really want to listen to. Um, definitely be looking forward to that. Curse these metal hands. That pro that project. Um, I found it really interesting for a um, post metal band. It's an album where, and what obviously we're getting to the tail end of the year. Album of the year list will be propping up. It's like pretty commonly. I've got like twelve on the go. Um, it's one of those albums where it will. I'm not saying it's going to be top 20 or not. It will place quite high in the overall scope of what I listen to. I've listened to over 100 albums this year. Um, it was placed quite highly, but it's not really an album I go back to because I feel like something post-metal or something in that ilk, you need to sit down like take it all in where I've got you know stuff and or things going on. Um, but really, really, really great um, album. High Spirits is still a song that I can think about in my head. Uh, touch of a button well not touch of a button just by thinking that's how thinking works um so yeah cursing my hands i think that's the third year in a row that we're gonna be doing that project so i'm hoping that maybe one day we'll get a second album from it so who knows uh Svalbard will be great i thought racket cannon was splitting up but i might be mistaken i've heard many 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 things about that so or about the band sorry so i'd be interested in seeing racket cannon frontier i like feeling like my neck's being snapped so I'll be it for giving them a go. Earth Tone 9 are one of the first. Um, low key, you've probably never heard of this band. Bands that I that I got into when they're on Tatuanasi. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, so that'd be really good fun. I thought they, again, another one that split up. Good to see them back. Rollo Tomasi, always fucking brilliant. That last album was insane. Um, Ishan, I'd be looking forward to. I wasn't quite high on Amir. But, or Amra, whatever it's called. I think it's Amir. I imagine it's Amir, not Amra. Um, what was the album before that? Why do I suck at remembering things? Am I just in the constant state of having a stroke? Again, I can see the artwork. Arctis. Loved Arctis. Um, the German word that I can't pronounce. Had a few good songs on there. Um, I'll totally up for giving a shine a go. Uh, especially if they're backed by Leprous, which we're getting to. And Opeth, I've never been a big Opeth fan, quite honestly. And same with Tesseract, actually. Tesseract are a greatest hits band. Opeth, I've li listened to bits of Blackwater Park and Ghost Reveries. I'd like to go back to them proper, um, but because they weren't really into the realms of prog, I sort of like just kept them at arms with because you know what I'm like. Um, but as a whole, Arc Tangent is shaping up to be fucking beautiful. And I'd really love to know who does the artwork each year because it's fucking stunning. So that's Arc That's Arc Tangent. If you like your weird, proggy, posty, just weird shit, it is absolutely the festival for you. Um, yeah, it's down in Bristol. It's August 2020, for the 20th to the 22nd of August next year. Um, it's big things, bro. I think the tickets, like, for a three-day event, like, £150. Probably cost you more, well, probably cost me more to get to Bristol from where I am now. Um, so yeah, top good things. And as I said at the start of the show, this has been a week of reform, so I'll just go, there's no particular order, mostly because I just write them down as I remember them. We'll start with Rage Against Machine. They are doing a 2020 reunion world tour. And it's also going to coincide with their first, I think their first show back is going to be at Coachella. Weird, weird spot because obviously I grew up just after 
um, Rage Against Machine called it quits. They came back, pretty much became a karaoke band, then went off again. Um, from what I know of Coachella, which admittedly isn't a great deal, compared to what I know about Rage Against Machine, I from the sounds of it, Coachella is everything Rage Against Machine sung against in their prime. Um, they have become the like go-to for reunions. I think System of a Down and one other big metal band came back for Coachella. Um, yeah, from what I've seen at Coachella, it's very much a case of their natural progression from Glastonbury. You got Leeds, Reading, got Glastonbury, and then you got Coachella in terms of like the basic white girl with daisies in her hair festival thing. You know, Reading and Leeds is when you get out of the college. Um, Glastonbury is when you want to be like a hardcore druggie. And then Coachella is when you just want to like smoke weed and have a jolly old time. But white girl like. It's like going to Ben and Jerry's and getting cookie dough. That's that's on par. Um, I don't know if I'd be in... Well, actually, yeah, I would be interested in new music. Because if they stay as aggressive and as angry musically as I did back then with like the current political climate and current climate climate I think a new Rage album would be just pure anger I was going to say pure Rage and Rage that's what I was going to say but I'd be up for a new album I hope they don't just turn into another character band again because there is an argument where if bands, re- if bands reform they don't owe you anything they don't owe you a new album but that's, I can see the point to that, but also at the same time, there's, I know what I'd like and what I'd not like. Because, you know, from the face of it, you are a fan of music or, like, a fan of the band themselves. So, I'd be up for it. If they just turned to karaoke, I'd get it, but I'd, you know, I'd be a bit mad about it. But, you know, that was number one. Uh, number two is, I don't know, um... I'll come back to number two because they're a bigger deal. Uh, we'll go to Creeper then. Creeper reformed, I believe, I didn't realise this until a couple of days ago, the show they came back with, I can't remember, oh, the Fugitives or the Knights, something like that. Um, that first show back was precisely a year to the day when they all took their denim jackets off and said, we're totally breaking up, it's all legit-like, at which point everyone said, sure, wink. Shut up, phone. Shut up, phone. <laughs> Asshole. Um, Creeper are back. They came back in all white garb, which I thought was quite cool. I've seen pictures of it. And there's people a bit like, oh, it's a bit, you know, they used to wear black and now they wear white. I'm like, nah, I'll dig it. I dig it a lot. Um, they've played one new song from this from the their comeback show. It's called Born Cold. Bit more of a hard rock, heavy metal kind of riff in there. Um, but you got the typical keys in there from Hannah and the big vocal choruses from Will. Very, very much looking forward to Creeper. Uh, I imagine a new album will be coming out by the end of next year. Jolly good things are brewing. Ah, oh, very, very happy to see Creeper back. I'm, I want to say I'm sad they like disappeared for a year. If they needed the year off, they needed the year off. But it's just when you hear when you don't get an album between from a band. And you start looking at what they've been doing. Most of the time they are um, like touring or, you know, got other projects going or writing and that sort of thing. It was being dead silent from Creeper. 
even you got more um, information for marmosets because I think Becca's going off to have a baby and do things like that. Because, you know, there's other things that go with having a baby. But the complete radio silence from Creeper had to be worried for a while, but now nah, it's good to see them boys back and girl. Never forget Anna. Uh, number three, King Diamond. It's a weird one to talk about because I've never once got in a King Diamond, but he is a man who has gone through a fucking lot these past few years. Um, if you're not sure, if you're not... If you're not aware of King Diamond, he used to also front uh, Merciful Fate. Obviously, the best example of Merciful Fate is the medley that Metallica did. Metallica on garaging exposed people to a lot of different musicians, not least of all Merciful Fate, because that medley is insane. From there, King Diamond. And he is... It's odd. He's everything black metal should be without actually playing black metal music. He is on the side of shock rock, but it's more like uh, trad heavy metal. He's got a very distinct falsetto vocal. He's huge in the metal community, so you know, I feel like I'm explaining King Diamond to people who already fully aware who King Diamond is. But the biggest thing about him recently is he went through quad quadruple heart bypass surgery, which you don't walk that off. All right, you just you just you can try. You probably fall over, but. I'm sorry if you heard that. He is very he's a very classic metal face. Um you know, he's like again one of the few people outside Black Metal who wear adorns corpse paint and has like a bit more theatrics to his show. Came up with his first song in thirteen years. It's called The Masquerade of Madness. It's everything I expected from a King Diamond song. It's gonna be part of the album The Institute, which is coming out sometime next year. Um he also plans to bring back Marital Fate as well. Which would be, which would be cool actually, because I think they haven't done anything. Because I think he's split Mercer Fate up to pursue this solo career. Even though I think there's some crossover in terms of who's a member and who's not, but it's been even longer again since um, Mercer Fate were in the mix. So good to see him back, to see, good to see him healthy enough to start pursuing these other things. He's over 60 now, so. Fair fucks to him, the mighty King Diamond. And the last one, the biggest one, by far, is My Chemical Romance. The emo, post-hardcore saints have finally returned after six years? Five years? Six years? I think it's six. Um, Their first show is LA, and then they're going to go beyond from there. I think there's a show in Manchester being discussed or in the works something like that um there's already new merch which makes me think it might be more than just a tour but who knows i don't like none of the members of uh my chem strike me as the type of people who need the money obviously um gerard's got this show on amazon he's got cloud academy basically um frank has been doing a lot recently um with whatever his band's called this week mikey way i can't remember what he's doing but his name propped up in a project recently uh bob briar maybe no bob briar was the drummer that got kicked out wasn't he either way i'm very much looking forward to um new mike m because they were just brilliant um a lot of people say like 
I think I can understand people saying they never have to listen to a Black Parade again. It is along those sort of lines of similar to American Idiot and Sweet Child of Mine. Um, Ray Toro was the last one. I don't know what he's doing recently. He's got projects that's going. So some of the bands maybe, but if you go on just royalties and that sort of thing, I don't feel like they're the type of band that needs it. But, you know, they do they. You do you, whatever it is. The biggest takeaway I've got from this, because I joined in with everyone, like, harking back to emo days. I'm still in my emo phase, so I can't really comment, but a lot of people are like, um, there's a great TikTok of someone who, like, a green hair, which you don't realise into a wig. She's got it down by her side, and then the caption is, My Chemical Romance Reform, and she spins it around and becomes a massive emo fridge. I'm like, yes, all of this. Um, there was the there's a small pocket of people and I'm going to pick on one gent in particular who like had to post it to Facebook because he's an edgy little shitbag. There's a community of people who feel like music fans are how's the best to describe it? They're undermining the current roster of musicians because bands like My Chem and Rage Machine are reforming. Um, and everyone's getting super sad about that. I believe it was Riley McShane of, at least of all, Allegheon. Or Allegheon. I think it's Allegheon. Um, who made a Facebook post basically going about how, well, everything I just said, fans are more wanting to commit to old bands reforming and being like a nostalgic than actually give a shit about the current run of um, musicians and I think the biggest quote I can take away from it that I can remember is you ask the you ask a general music fan no sorry you ask a casual music fan to name their favourite band in the past 10 years guaranteed they won't be able to say anything gee fucking idiot honestly the casual music fan will be listening to like the mainstream sort of stuff they'll be excited by this sort of thing because it's something that they grew up with but the, the, uh, my camera part of a world where people as a rule tend to be more in touch with the music if people know about you and know about Allegheon, there's a really good chance they're going to know more about music than the casual person because you know, Allegheny isn't exactly BBC Radio 1 material, is it, you fucking nunce? And I hate that. I hate the idea that people are saying, oh, this new band's performing, the Thalgia's going to win over, then fucking merch sales. Just because no one wants to listen to Allegheny doesn't mean you... Like, no one wants to listen to any indie music ever. I'm doing a fucking show that's got Car Bomb and Leprous on it. Ask the average person who Car Bomb is. They'll Fucking look you weird. I'm listening to an album called Funeral Fuck for fuck's sake. It's such a stupid take. And like these nostalgia bands that come back, it is exciting because like people like me, I'm 25. I grew up with um my chem quite prominently, and I grew up past the point of Rage Machine being an active band. And the chance to, like, now that I'm a bit older, to have, and, you know, money, responsibility, all that crap, 
now that I'm a bit older and I got the chance to, oh, this band like broke away forever, what's that, they're coming back. Yeah, you're going to have the nostalgists like me who are super into it. But that doesn't mean I'm not prepared to go back into the current crop of musicians. I'm wearing a Palm Reader shirt as I record this. It's such a stupid thought by a very delicate man. And oh my god, I think he's just a fucking dick. It made me so angry seeing that. And yeah, fucking because no one wants to listen to Alagian. What else do you think? Okay, yeah, I've never heard of these bands. Continuum and Virulent Depravity. You play in a bunch of extreme tech metal bands. You can't bitch among the fact that no one's listening to you because that's a, that's a hella niche. You fucking dipstick. Right, I'm going to like talk about music now because he just made me mad. And I've also got a sandwich waiting for me that I can't eat because eating on a podcast is awful. We'll start with Off With Their Heads and their fifth album, Be Good. They are from Minneapolis in the Minnesotas. Uh, and they play a very straightforward, very, very, not classic, not, not 70s classic, but like, almost like a 90s classic punk rock kind of sound. And I had never heard of them up until this album. But doing a little bit of digging, they are a very prominent and very popular in... I've written underground punk, and I don't mean like that basement crust, um, power violence kind of punk rock. More like... A very, like I said, a very normal sounding, a very traditional sounding punk rock sound, but just not your Rancids or your Green Days or your Offsprings or anything like that. Just sit quite nicely, just below the surface, but consistently making good music. Um, and it is the most punk rock sounding album I've listened to for quite a while. It's very bleak, it's a bit rough around the edges. Um, Ryan Young, the vocalist, has a very distinctive gruffness to his voice, which is very, very... Um, very appealing for me because you know trying to get that level of uh, like rashness in a voice doesn't happen too often i think i feel like vocalists as a whole at the moment outside like the extreme metal tend to have super clean vocals at the moment um and there's a lot of really good guitar work i did not write down the guitarist name but a lot of really great guitar work um and the little hooks that bring the songs quite nicely um the lineage of Off With The Heads almost feels like it should be rooted in a more emo kind of band. Uh, Ryan Young, in his own words, has said that he didn't want to make an album about moping around and feeling sorry for yourself. So then, this is more of a forced acceptance perspective, lyrically. And it's all about learning how to deal with uh, mental health issues, personal issues. And it's something that Young himself has had to overcome in the years since the previous um off with the heads album which the last prop one was about six years ago they've done like an acoustic album in the middle but this is you know first quote-unquote proper one and yeah from what i've seen written about i think it's called home the previous album what i've seen written about home compared to what i've seen written about this last album was very much a case of woe is me everything is shit whereas this is now this is everything is shit but your best deal with it sort of thing. Um, and any context you need for the album is in the first few seconds of the opening song Disappear, which is a great song. Um, 
it's chronicling the subjects in a turmoil before exploding into this huge brash wave of rugged punk rock and I just we'll have the lyrics right there it will um, I should have seen this from the start I should have always been on my own now it's perfectly clear I should have never stayed here I should have just disappeared that's a very like I feel that's quite a common um, thought process for people who deal with that kind of, with like these internal mental issues because it is a case of is it best if you just not you know not the not the big go away but is it better if you just like left the situation let everyone to their to their own devices and fix everything else because are you just making things better are you making things worse yeah that kind of that kind of thing so it is that like first thing of feeling sorry for himself but as the album progresses more about about you know what things are going to be shit whether you're going to be here or whether you're not going to be here since you're here might as well make something of it I might as well just get used to the fact that life is just going to be a cacophony of dicks just slapping you about the face. Um, the what I said before, the like elements of classic punk rock, um, the dare in force, the melody and flow to let it all is brilliant. Uh, same thing can be said for Severe Errand. And if you like punk rock with a little bit more bite when a little bit more just just gets you going a little bit more those first four songs of the album just go all the way in tens it's disappear into be good you will die and no love they've got a pace and an energy to them that i'm not saying like the rest of the album's like post rock or something like that but it's just it has a bit more crunch to it the first half of the album it just goes a little bit harder and then it i feel like towards the end a little bit more melody in, there, melody in there, a little bit more hooks that sort of like carry songs a bit better. Um, but yeah, just for being kicked in the face and like waving your arms around ridiculously, the first half of the album, Italian hand kissing. Um, just the way like, and I said about the riffs, Young's voice just does work really well for this like punk rock setting. I couldn't really hear his kind of voice doing anything else. Um, the drummer, Carl Manning, is an absolutely fan-fucking-tastic job on this album throughout, where it's been like breakneck speed in the first half or a bit more melody in the latter half. He's just fucking brilliant. He really does a good job, and I'm glad to see like other reviews have picked up on him as well. The gripes I have for the album are kind of odd, I feel. Tammy, um, Tammy Apart has a weird... I couldn't not hear Roots Radical by Rancid in there. Like the pre-chorus into the chorus, a little bit of the verse, it just sounded like Roots Radical with like even less, because Roots Radical, I wouldn't say is a very scar song anyways for Rancid, but even less so, if that makes sense. And I just can't unhear that anymore. I heard it on the first chant, I was like, well, that's this song ruined for me forever. And I feel like if you're going to take inspiration from a song, I feel like this has done it too much to almost become like not a cover, but like a re like a re-lyriced cover, if that makes sense. Um, and the other one that's really, really odd, and I don't believe I'm about to say this, but Ryan has a very good punk rock scream. It's not a sort of kind of scream where you can sing with it, and you know, in the same way like hardcore, post-hardcore do. It's in between breaks, so you'll do one riff and it goes into breakdown. Just pull the breakdown, you've got this yeah, 
kind of thing. Someone at some point has told him, mate, that scream you do, it's fucking lit, bro. And he's like, oh yeah, bro, I'm gonna do it all the time, bro. I have no idea this is how these people talk, but this is just for my own amusement. And because someone has said to him, the scream you do really kicks ass. He does it so much. And it got to the point where it almost became annoying. Like, first few times, like, man, he fucking nails that. But because it happens so often, it's like, just, we get it. I, it was a, I can't, like I said, it was such a weird one to pick up with, but I just kept hearing it over and over again. And it was the same scream every time. I think that's what did it for me. It's not like he could do it high, he could do it low, he could do it whilst singing, that sort of thing. It was just this almost sound like a soundbite that I had pre-recorded and just kept pressing it every now and again. It adds, I imagine live, it will add to the energy if they did it once or twice, but just on record, hearing it pretty much every other song, it devalues it by the end of the album when you get it in after like the opening part of i of disappear you're like fuck yeah let's like punch a wall or some shit and then by the end when you're unlocking eyes or death and you hear it I'm like i just come on no i don't know what no i means but whatever um but yeah first time hearing about off with the heads it was it's a like a perfectly enjoyable album like Outside of those weird scream things that I've apparently got an anorak for. Um, and Tell Me Apart. Very, very, like, bog-standard. For me, punk rock album, in the best kind of way, I've realised bog-standard is a very ter- terrible way of describing a very decent album. Um, if you like your punk rock, if you feel like it's been devalued a little bit by pop-punk, which we all feel like that, or we all should feel like that, um, give it a go. It's album number five from Off With Their Heads. It's called Be Good. And, yeah, just some punk rock ting. Next up then, we're going to the doom and gloom of Germany. Uh, from Hamburg, it is the debut album from Funeral Fuck. It's not spelt how you think it is. F-V-N-E-R-A-L-F-V-K-K. So, Funeral for KK. Um, the album's called Carnal Confessions, and they are, yeah, they're a big, old, doomy bunch of bastards. Um, features members of various uh, German underground metal bands uh, which I'm going to mispronounce uh, Fullness, Ophis and Crimson Swan I know that one because it's all in English um, my opinions on Doom are pretty much on par with uh, post metal you need to make it interesting to keep but no, it needs to be interesting to keep my attention because punk rock yada yada um I couldn't. I couldn't say a doom metal band that I've previously been like. Yeah, that's the album or that's the band. Like post metal. Um, I was talking thinking about this recently. Genius are, and I'll talk about Genius in a bit more in a bit. They were the first post, like outright post metal band where I was like, yes, this is how I'd like this to be done. With prog, it was leprous. Um, a little bit of Mastodon. With. Doom as well. So if we're going to be like super pedantic in terms of genres, um, Funeral Fuck edge more on the wave of epic Doom. So there's a bit more uh, of a soundscape going on as opposed to the other side of Doom, which has 
you know, it rubs shoulders with the likes of um, that hazy kind of stoner metal or sludge metal kind of thing, which I've got no time for. I, I don't know if it's because I don't partake in the 24s. It's just, you know, it's not for me. And that's and that's what music's all about, isn't it? Um, so yeah, I've tried listening to Doom a few times. Even like the big ones, like Down and that kind of thing. I just can't really... I get bored hearing the same note going boom. Boom. Alright. Cool. When are you going to do something different? And... Yeah, so I was quite surprised when I was going through Bandcamp and I found um, Funeral for KK just randomly bottom around. I think it was Chapel of Abuse that they had as a lead single on Bandcamp and I thought this is generally quite interesting um, and I want to listen to something a little bit different to what I usually go to anyways. I think this year, for me, musically, is all about trying to find stuff outside my comfort zones. Um, so yeah, here we are, Carmen Confessions. Um one like going into it like deep diving a little bit more into like the album and the lyrics and that kind of thing i do find quite interesting um and i can't think of another example off the top of my head should have probably written something down but i like it when bands take on this like pseudo theistic approach to writing music and you know setting up the band I think ghosts probably are like the easiest point of reference for nowadays. Um, the artwork, the band's appearance, general imagery, and how they were a thing has a sort of like dark religion aspect to it. Um, obviously, you've got oh, I don't even know what iteration of the ghost frontman we got, but obviously he's gone from a more like pope-looking character to now he's a bit more like casual priest looking thing um especially in the like kiss the go goat music video um obviously like the backing band are usually in cloaks and the plague mass there's a lot of crosses a lot of church imagery that kind of thing the this whole thing where on the face value is like this is all like religious inspired art but with like dark gothic or satanic twist to it um, I've always been intrigued by religion, and I love it when bands do this sort of thing. It just creates, like, you've got the idea of, like, I use Catholicism or Christianity as, like, the easiest go-to, because I know I'm Western, so I'm going to know more about that a bit. Um, you've got this whole idea that religion and Christianity is a very pure thing, very, you know, lots of um, white colours, very... Um, or light colours, golds, your yellows, your whites... Um, it's all very, yeah, it's just all very pure looking things. And then to bring in, and obviously it's always talking about like rebuilding the spot, rebuilding the body, rebuilding the soul, being good to one's neighbor, yada, yada, yada. And then you bring in this like dark undertones to the band and to the music. And it's all like darker colors now. So you've got your purples, your reds, your blacks. And everything's got like such a minor twist. Like the easiest one is obviously flipping the cross upside down. Um, you know, stars getting flipped upside down to form pentagrams. Just like little, 
replacing like instead of like birds you've got bats and that stuff they're just like little replacements here there can turn something so holy and so wholesome into something quite dark and sinister and then we get into the music side of things and how they they still sing as if like it's bible verses but obviously it's more like dark subject matter and yeah i, I really find it interesting i find it so compelling and so like it draws me in every time and yeah like i said i think ghosts are like the easiest go-to for the moment funeral fuck do this splendidly um they are they are that broad description of ghost just amplified you know seeing photos of the band they're all in cloaks again the artwork is a, the artwork of the album is a silhouette through a stained glass window you got song titles like alone with the cross when god is not watching chapel of abuse and their lyrical wording as well at night's darkening, neath the sheets I crawl, laying hearkening for his heavy steps sounding across the hall. Um, it's not just like... People don't talk like that anymore, do they? Um, it feels very scriptury and very... Um, like... Ver Versy, I think? Oh, that's not a word. Um... It, it does have this like religious undertone to it, and then it's all like compounded with very intense, super well produced doom crawl to it. Um, as I said before, this is nowhere near that like hazy doom metal stuff that presides near the worlds of stone and metal or sludge metal. Um, it is officially epic doom, so it's got like a bigger soundscape to really push it along. Um, and a little bit more cleaner sound to it, despite the fact it's still super heavy. Excuse me. These songs sit terrifying, like, they, they sit like, sorry, terrifying, uh, drawn-out stories back with, like, a super imposing back, uh, soundtrack. Um, musically, I found myself comparing it to Grand Magus, but just with an extra layer. You know, you've got the mass, loads of riffs in there. Go to the Hallowed Leech for undeniable proof of that. There's, like, riffs everywhere on that song um and it is a short song on this so it is like apart from obviously the opener so just compacted everything in it's like just do everything but double speed and that's and that's how you get heavy metal isn't that nice um but that extra layer though whether it's uh an extra an extra guitar to reinforce a riff or a separate higher pitched riff that almost acts as like an it, I can't remember what the song it was, but there's a song in it where well, probably was more than one where they had like a higher pitched riff, and the way the second guitarist was playing it, it felt more like an organ playing in the background. Or if you look at like the layered vocal approach, it's more like a choir again. Those like religious aspects or religious characteristics bleeding into a darker more sinister uh, musical production. And it really just set the album apart. That's what I really drawn him into Chapel of Abuse when I first heard it. It is every bit as religious, but everything is non-religious, if that makes sense, or more the darker side of religion. Uh, vocally, the front man, I, his name, or the, the guys he's going with is Cantor, Synodacious? Nope. Synodicus. Synodicus? Dicus? C-I-N-A-E-D-I-C-U-S. 
Synedicus. I don't know. I feel like I've that the cuss is not pronounced like this. It's a shus. So Synedicus. Either way, canter. Um, the way he delivers the line that like drone, that like elongated notes while still being a super powerful vocalist reminds me a lot of Joseph Marti- Martinez from Unias. Um, I spoke about previously. And like I said, because Doom isn't usually my thing, this took a few listens to properly get around and properly understand what all the different layers that's going on. But the riffs, that dark imposing energy, and the album just as a whole, um, just it appeals to the edgy goth side of me. I have really, really enjoyed this album. Um, I picked up little lyrics here and there. Um, but I was doing this deep dive for the review. Some of the lyrics are just fucking haunting. On Chop of Abuse, which you can kind of guess what, from the song title what it's all about. It is... It's a bit... Hmm. Um, what's the lyric? Um, but I'm a servant. I, I'm... Sorry. I'm but a servant. I'm but a vessel for your light. I'll endure my painful plight. The holy law and order, oh, was it worth it? Oh, is your hunger satisfied for carnal pleasure and delight beneath the angel's choir? Oh, you feel uncomfortable, don't you? You feel dirty. Catholicism. You're naughty. Mmm. And I can't even think where the other one was, where I was reading it and I was like, oh. <laughs> That's not... That's not good, is it? Uh, should I try and find it? Should I move on? Nope, I can't find it. No, oh well. Um, but yeah, do give it a listen. Give it a read. Go on the band camera and look at the lyrics because, yeah, you feel dirty, but this is a very, very good album. If you like your doomy, thump, thump stuff. Give it a go. It's called Carnal Confessions. It's by the band Funeral Fuck. And once again, spelling is F-V-N-E-R-A-L-F-V-K-K. Funeral for KK. Um, I don't know why I want to say it like that, but I just really wanted to. Uh, I'm going to flick a light on because it's dark as balls in here. Ow. If my housemates come home, I don't want them to think I'm a fucking gremlin, which I am, but I have morals. Moving on to the third album of this week. It is... I really hope it's called Mordial. Because that's what I've been calling it in my head all day. Because Mordial sounds silly. And I really hope it's not called Mordial now that I call it silly. It's Mordial by the band Carbomb. It is their fourth album. They hail from Long Island in the... In New York City. Uh, nope, not New York City. Just New York. Um, they are a very, 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 very angry mathcore band. So angry. Um, but Carbomb have a reputation of being one of the hardest working and the most innovative metal bands in recent memory. Uh, they also sound like what would happen if you played Meshuggah at double speed, which is a terrifying concept. To say this is a frantically visceral album, I've written it down, I'm saying it out loud, it's a fucking silly thing to say because, duh. It is insane. There's so many turns and changes on this album that you just... On early listens, you just cannot fathom. You cannot prepare for. Um, when the album starts proper on Fade Out, the early signs point to a lot of Meshuggah worship. 
um, the sound, the technicality. Um, and you think Meshuggah are already everything of that. They are technically and they're sonically a very demanding band. Um, but the big... That's not a speech mark. Have I written a degree sign there? Oh, well. Um, the big fuck you comes on Vague Skies that it just sounds like you've just chugged a whole carton of energy drinks and gone, yeah, you know, I can play anything. It is a hilariously fast song and it offers the first tastes of what Greg Kubaki, Kubachki? I'm going to go with Kubaki. Um, Greg Kubaki can do with that guitar. The ludicrous things Greg Kubaki can do with his guitar. Um, the dives, the chord de-escalation, I think that's right because you've obviously got chord progressions, but chord usually chord progressions for me is when you go higher and higher, whereas he just goes lower and lower. So, yeah. Um, and reverberations as well to make it sound like you've got like 20 guitarists in there where I'm pretty certain it's only it's just it's just the one boy it's just your one one top dude uh it's fucking insane i don't understand what he does you stop because then shout sky kicks in and it's one of the most unsettling riffs in recent memory that i can think of um like hearing that riff live must concuss anyone around it because it's sort of like vibrate as it plays and it's just like listening to it on headphones for the first time just fucked me up sideways because it's just you don't know what to do i've never really had a riff that that affected while still being you know clear as day it's a weird way to describe it i'm not quite sure if i'm saying the right words but you know it was just such a heavy riff to bump into um and then seeking to defeat the greatest enemy in himself um greg then starts making fucking laser noises on dissect yourself you know and i'm part of a generation that got brought up with herman lee making the guitar sound like a nintendo had sex with iron maiden on a diet of coffee and sugar packets Greg Kabaki's just made the guitar sound like a walker from War of the Worlds snorting lines of R2-D2. It is just barbarically good fun. And, you know, I feel like from listening to a lot of guitar music over the years, I've kind of, although I don't know how to do it, I know the concepts behind a lot of guitar effects and guitar noises. I've got no fucking clue how you would make those kind of noises apart from just shithousery and doing dirty deeds with the devil it's insane um but to talk about the vocalist mike daphner xoxoy is potentially uh, it definitely is my favorite performance from mike um his screams and growls are top level and just crazy consistent throughout the album anyways they really really like another level again on xoxoy Especially in those clean parts where he does the... So he does XOXO as the screams. And then Y is his big drawn-out note. So, like, the deeper ends are more Jens Kidman of Sugar. The higher-end sort of stuff kind of remind me of Greg from Dinger Escape Plan. And then those big stretch-out notes like on Y um, have an air of Chino Marino from 
uh, Deftones. And, like, ah, fuck, I've, re I've realized I've, like, ordered this out terribly. But the one last time I saw Spunk Over, um, Kabaki, that solo on Black and Battery is unreal. Like, there is a kind of a Metallica feel to it. And obviously never would Kirk do anything like the noises on his album. But the way you've just got this big thundering bass line behind it. And in a grand, like compared to the rest of Mordial, quite a basic drum beat, a big um, bass driven drum beat. And then you've got your little dies and then it goes into like a more classic solo as to speak. Yeah, I couldn't pinpoint like, what kind of Metallica uh, solo compare it to, but I just got this big Hammett, Lars, um, like, budding up um, comparison to it all. And, yeah, fucking great song, that is. In general, oh, actually, no, to shout out again, or to shout out to the bassist and drummer, John Modell and Elliot Hoffman, respectively, like I, I feel like I undermined um, Daphne a bit. Like XOXO is so, such a good song, and he sounds fucking brilliant on it. Um, and obviously, I've said a lot about Greg Kabaki. Looking at other reviews, they've done the same thing. They praised uh, Mike and his vocals. They praised Kabaki and uh, his guitar work. Albums like this are underratedly made or say or made or broken on no fuck off spam made or broken on uh the rhythm section because you can be I think that's the problem with what happened with a lot of um tech motor bands when the gent boom happened to start a decade. You can be the most technical bunch of people and like, oh, wow, look how great our guitarist is. If the rhythm section is boring, that's the takeaway for me. You can be like, widdly widdly. It's like, wow, you can, you're, you're a good guitarist. But the band is shit. You know, a lot of gen projects um, came up because they spent, especially, especially the like one-man projects, because they spent so much time holding the craft on guitar, being like the center of attention. When it came to actually having a beat that would carry that, it became repetitive, it became boring, it just was very, very basic in terms of what should be happening for that kind of music. John and Elliot just make the behind, that's the behind the scenes of the guitar sound so fluid and they um back up everything that greg can do on guitar so well again like to go back to um black and battery was like the best example i can think of right at the moment when it breaks into that solo it's not just like very standardized playing around on little like the tiny crash cymbals and just doing like a very on bass it is like a, a roaming bass line it is a he know like Elliot knows when to be a wickedly technical drummer to uh, complement the guitars and when to just do like a very standardized 
uh, almost like thrash metal kind of kind of playing. So, yeah, I think for every bit as good as Mike and Greg are, I feel like less people would be. And maybe not like less people would be involved, but less attention would be given to uh, Car Bomb if it didn't have such an incredible rhythm section to go behind it. So, this is my little shout out to John and Elliot. I think they did. Well, I think everyone's done a fantastic job with this album, um, regardless of who's going to get the most plaudits from, you know, better music reviewers than I. If you are anyway convinced by this album, um, or by this review, sorry. It is very complex and it's very difficult. Um, it's not just cathartic or some kind of release. It's full-on aggressive and vicious music. Um, this was the first time... I've heard of Carbon for ages. And I've realised that the first time I heard of them was... I think it was a second album, which has got a weird... It's just random characters. So, yeah... WWW um, yeah so that came out in 2012 I've been aware of them since but never really got into them because I thought ah it's just at the time I wasn't really into the the uber extreme side of prog or math um, so this for me was the first album of Carbon I've ever listened to if you're like me this won't sit with you first time no matter what kind of music you listen to if you listen to like the super extreme side of music um, like black metal, death metal kind of thing. Because of what Greg can do with the guitar, it's just... it's me it, Your ears or your brain's like, isn't what a guitar's meant to sound like. It's, you know, you you know what... You've got a pretty good idea of what a guitar should sound like. The effects you can do just make it very harsh on the ears, so it won't sit right for you first time. Give it the time it deserves, and you will find that Mordial by Carbomb is a fucking hellaciously good album and yeah top quality stuff it is album number four number album number four from car bomb long island boys uh super edgy super aggressive super technical math core and all four gents to serve a very hearty golf clap golf claps all around um onto something now completely fucking different say hello to What's taken over to be the saddest album I have ever listened to. It is Ghosting by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. It is staggeringly album number 17 from the Melbourne native. Um, who is undoubtedly a legend of the music business. Um, I wish I could sit here and say I know all this fun stuff about Nick Cave. Look at me with my knowledge. But... This is the first time I've ever listened to a Nick Cave album. I've been wanting to go back on his back catalog for ages, but... Excuse me, you know how hard it is. Um, I think like many people my age, first time I heard a Nick Cave song was for was Red Right Hand for the Peaky Blinders theme song. I'm dying a little bit because I just had coffee. Um... And if you're like me, so I imagine like if anyone does listen to it, they all know who Nick Cave is and are fully aware of how how big a deal he is. But if you're like me, never listened to it before, um, he is a key figure in the world of alternative rock, uh, post-punk, and gothic rock. He is 
a I found he was a musician that got spoken about a lot. But again, I don't really think like I heard like Bad Seed songs on the TV, on the radio, that sort of thing. He was always like the indie darling, I guess, of the music world, despite being, you know, better than most mainstream musicians. Um and if this is your very first Nick Cave song or Nick Cave album, sorry, just know that this is not indicative of that classic Bad Seed sound. Um, Ghosting is part three in a trilogy that began in 2013 with um, Pusha Skyway. It continued into Skeleton Tree, which came in 2016. And across the trilogy, obviously starting with Pusha Skyway, it evolved from that alt-rock style that Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds have become synonymous for. In Skeleton Tree, it, tried, it started to blend in like an electro-ambient kind of sound. And with Ghosting, this is an ambient album um, with a lot of electronic elements in there as well. Um, the other big thing to know before going into this album, and this is where it starts getting a really dark, really dark place, is during the last stages of the release of... Or release cycle of Skeleton Tree, or writing cycle, sorry. Um, Nick Cave's son passed away tragically in a, in an accident. Oh. Um, some of the lyrics on Skeleton Tree were altered to reflect that. You know, each made little changes here and there to sort of like try and start um, the musician's grieving process, which. Um, very common for musicians to like well very common for anyone just to try and plow themselves into work to try and distract themselves um it see, little bits here and there on skeleton tree but this ghost team is the first time he's had a full musical outlet for what he went through when his son died um and knowing that before the album, I don't know how I found that out, but I read about that first. Going into the album, based on that knowledge, made this just an intense album. A different kind of intensity to that Car Bomb album, but on par. It has been... Oh man, it's been the best kind of difficult I could ever imagine, which is a weird thing to say. Um, the music is very delicate, and it backs uh, Kay's naturally baritone voice brilliantly. That juxtaposition between voice and music is so alluring, and it's just, you know, very captivating. Um, it is so emotional. Even the songs that aren't about, like, outwardly about his son. Like, he's a big uh, Elvis fan, so you got so uh, the opening song, Spinning Song, all about the king of rock and roll, and obviously that boy Elvis and it's a story about um, a king and a queen they have a son which is the prince the king dies and from them like, from his body like a tree is grown there's a, uh, a nest uh, or like a story to that extent and reading about the fact that it's Elvis completely through me because I honestly thought like this is more about him and his family. Um, but there is the repeated line of um, and I love you and peace will come in time. 
and they're the little parts where you sort of like start sinking into the fact that this is cave it is grieving process um and like another song waiting for you i want to well up and bawl my eyes out every time i hear waiting for you it is a very tepid piano with k very softly serenading over the top it is it's a fucking beautiful song my god will it make you have them feels um and you know in the playlist i've got for listening for each week or in this case each fortnight at the moment um ghosting immediately followed on from mordial and going from that just attack of naked fuse into spinning song it is to say like running headfirst into a wall it's that and then some because you're amped up and you're hyped and you're angry and then you got this where it is the bruce banner hulk sort of thing where to go from that big rage down to like this like very vulnerable human again and i don't know if that's made the effect of the album even more i doubt if it will but just purely because like the context of the album is already horrifically sad but it is very much two different worlds um between this and car bomb duh um the heaviest part of this album and potentially i've thought about this i don't know if this is even like the heaviest part of this week or yeah fortnight whatever um this is raw emotion like this is raw grief-ridden emotion from nick cave now i'm not going to sit here and pretend to know or understand what cave is going through or what he went through I'm not going to say that, oh, because of this album, I know exactly every single emotion he's ever felt in his life because of what happened to his son. But the way he pushes out those notes, um, especially the like higher range falsetto stuff that he does, um, it's it's as if he's trying to push out every one of those emotions. Like when he starts singing, um, peace will come, peace will come in time on spinning song. It's just so, so very gentle and haunting in the way he sings it. Um, and like you've got other songs on there, like Waiting For You, as I said before, uh, Sun Forest, Leviathan. The way he sings, he sounds like he's on the cusp. Like, I remember reading a Reddit post a while ago of um, naming some bands. Like, the lead singer sounds like he's about to well up. And my go-to for that kind of vocal style was always um, Dan Campbell from uh, Wonder Years, especially on, uh, I think it's called Palm Reader from Little Piece of Heaven. Not like, the album that followed The Greatest Generation. I think it's called Place in Heaven or Piece of Heaven, whatever it's called. Um, the song was um, Palm Reader. And the way he hits notes and that sounds like he's about to just get in the feet position and sob. It's nothing on this. Absolutely nothing on this. He is, Nick Cave is a fucking wonderful vocalist in the worst time of his life. Um, and like the lyrics, the lyrics on this are fucking heartbreaking. Um, Your soul is my anchor. I never asked to be freed. Well, sleep now, sleep now. Take as long as you need. Um, the three bears watch, t watch the TV. 
and they age a lifetime oh lord mama bear holds the remote papa bear he just floats and baby bear he has gone to the moon in a boat on a boat as a spiral of children climb up to the sun waving goodbye to you and goodbye to me as the past pulls away and the future begins i say goodbye to all that the f to all that as the future rolls in Oh my god, what, what, what do you, how do you comment on that? How am I supposed to be here as like an amateur um, reviewer and podcaster and all this McGovern's? How is someone meant to comment on that? I just, I, you can't, I don't, I, can't, I don't know. In like reading that, is painful let alone like for him to sing it to hear it with those emotions behind him and being the vocalist that he is this is what i mean when i said this is like the saddest album you'll ever listen to um it is i love the idea that musicians go through like trauma like this write the music and it is therapy for them because i to hear this level of emotions coming out, I hope that it's literally that is them coming out, not just them copying what they're feeling because they're gonna hold on to that forever, aren't they? Um, yeah, it is incredible. This album and the emotions behind it. Uh, a huge shout out as well must go to his co-writer and his longtime collaborator, um, gentleman called Warren Ellis. He is responsible for much of instrumentation on his album. Um, moreover than the usual uh, Bad Seeds uh, backing band from Nick Cave so we did a lot of the loops the synths um, I think we worked a lot on the violin as well between them not only have they made an insanely emotional album that many are heralding as album of the year they've made it hugely accessible ambient music is not a commercially viable sound of music. It is not mainstream in the slightest. You've got aspects of ambient bleeding into more mainstream stuff. So there's a you can always say there's a crossover between ambient and post rock. Post rock's exploded the last couple of years in terms of being used with other things. So post black metal, um, black gaze, that kind of thing. Uh, Touche Amore and Pianos Become the Teeth, blending it with post-hardcore. Uh, I can't remember his name. There's a Swedish gent who does like epic post-rock um, musical. I wouldn't even know what to search to find his name, but just know he exists. He's fucking brilliant at it. So brilliant, I can't remember his fucking name, but then I never can. And in terms of like more like ultra more mainstream stuff i believe it's lordy that uses like a lot of um like darker ambient sort of stuff in her usually pop music i believe it's her i'm not couldn't guarantee though there's there is a big pop music I, yeah i'm gonna say lord um it's always with other things it's like long drawn out ambient style of music you very rarely find at least i can't think of a time where Straight up ambient music was the go-to genre for a particular group or particular community. And they've made an album where anyone can listen to this. Um, 
it is it, again this is not indicative from what i'm aware of nick cave and the bad seeds as a whole but they've made an ambient album that is over an hour long hugely listenable and you want to go back to it and you want to listen to it again and again and again because a you want to hurt yourself from just listening to someone else's emotions but it's so endearing well not endearing sorry it's so captivating and you know this the whole album feels like a story in the song i think it's leviathan it's all about a uh Buddhist story of a young woman whose child dies and then they take that um, take the child to uh, Buddha and they try and ask for like a new life and you know it's all about uh, the story like an overarching story is all about like death and like not getting over that but accepting it or what you do with it and that kind of thing Everything about the album, lyrically and musically, should not be appealing to like niche outs anyone outside niche musical areas. But Ellison Cave have done a f- fucking wicked job, and in it, it is a bleak and harrowing experience. And in the nicest way possible, I recommend it to absolutely fucking anyone because I don't listen to it, like to ambient even with all my like little niche music genres that I do listen to I don't go anywhere near this sort of shit I've tried I find it boring I move on this though I had to stop while I was doing just to take it all in more than one occasion it is unfathomably good and you will cry you will just feel the weight of the world and it'll be uh, I, I don't know. I don't want to say it's been fucking great because it's not because you're feeling sad, but the album's great. I hope it's therapeutic for him just for his own personal benefit, but do give it a go. It is, and from there, listen to more Nick Cave because I want to. Because from Red Right Hand and this, I think he, he might be one of the best um, songwriters ever. Uh, it's album number 17 from uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. It's called Ghost Teen, and it Oh, I can't remember what the actual word called. It's a, the teen is like or the een, sorry, it's like an old Irish word. And ghost isn't like the traditional ghost that we know. It's um in some dialect. I think it's another word for child. No, I think the een was child. So I think it's yeah, it's like a uh, little child or ghost child, something like that, or like lost child, that kind of thing. That's what the album means instead of just like he's a ghost. He was a teenager when he passed away. <laughs> No, lot more go, lot more thinking going into the album title. It's fucking brilliant. Um, but yeah, Ghosting album seventeen from Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. And before we get on to the last album of the week, and um, sort of break up going from me yabbering on about one fantastic album to another. Let's break it up with me wanting to bitch and moan. Um, I tried. There's very few albums that I put on that I've never been able to finish. The um, Logic, obviously, this year I've talked about how much I want to try and listen to more hip hop and rap. This year, Logic released an album. Uh, well, I'm not even going to bother looking what it's called. Confessions of something. 
And I couldn't make it all the way through that because lyrically, it's fucking garbage. The beats are okay. Um, his voice is kind of grating, but his actual lyrics are fucking trash. Um, one of the songs called Wannabe, I don't know if it's like tongue-in-cheek or trying to take the piss out of someone, but it's literally just, I want to be famous, I want to be famous. The song he does with Eminem, the song he does with Eminem, the guy, is fucking dog shit. The lyrics on there are just utter bunkum. I hate it. Um, I was still able... I never finished it, but I was still able to get further through that than I was for the latest Being As An Ocean album. Um, it's called Proxy. Uh, and A-N-I-M-O story. That probably means something. It's album number five. They're from Alpine, California, and they were uh, a melodic hardcore band. Well, they are a melodic hardcore band. And I remember finding them when everyone was going about Pianos Become the Teeth and Touche Amore. Um, I want to be super hips and find something like that, but not that. So that's how I ended up finding Beers and Ocean, because they had a bit more umph behind them while still having a lot of the melody and a lot of the post-rock influences in there, and it sounded super emotional. And I enjoyed enjoyed the first album. Second album less so. Third album was actually really enjoyable. First album was more like a like the singles. Second album was okay. Third album was when I really enjoyed. The fourth album was the first time I can recall listening to an album thinking, on their own, these songs are quite boring. But as a album piece, it's brilliant. And that's when I start to wonder, like, what makes a good album? Is it an album where you can take any song and think, wow, this song's incredible? Or is a good album where it's got to be listened to as a whole piece of music? Still not the answer. Love to hear what people think. But that last album, um, is it When Morning Comes? Something like that. For every, it was, you know, very, very good album. There was a bit too much, um, like, interlude tracks. I think there's only, like, five or six songs in there, and then four or five interlude tracks, which, like, takes away the pacing quite a bit. But they want to they wanna make this world, they want to make this atmosphere, this universe, full of music, and that's completely fine. They've then taken away all the interludes, all the interesting parts that would make up their universe and try to do like a more streamlined rock variation of their music and what they've made is something completely fucking terrible i honestly thought i'd accidentally put on the blink 182 album again there is nothing from this album i only like i messaged i've got a, we're in a group chat with a few friends of mine who do sometimes talk about music and I put it in there, it's like, is anyone listening to this album? Why are you just not getting it? And my friend who, I, the, the one guy I thought would completely love this, could only make it to song three before he switched it off and then gone back. I made it to song five and put it off. Thought, no, I've got to give it a go. Made it to song three the second time around and I had to switch it off. I haven't even got up on my screen to like say what songs are which, but the new Being, in as, no, being as an Ocean album fucking sucks i don't understand you were on 
there's four first four albums. That fourth album, okay, for every bit it was weird and like, you know, it's just song, bit, song, interlude, song, interlude, song, interlude. For every bit like that, you were making a world with your music. For everything that came before that, it was this huge atmospheric emotional excuse me, mellow mellow hardcore on the back of some really punchy post rock influenced post hardcore. You know, this is why I got drawn into it first place instead of Pianos Become the Teeth and Touche More because I felt like it had a bit more of a crunch to it, a bit more bite and venom to it. And then, what's the song? Is it Play Pretend? Sounds like a really shit, how do I describe it? It sounds like a shit um, Blink-182 B-side. But I remember giving it a much more graphic um, description beforehand. Bear with, bear with, bear with. I just... I'm trying to like fathom more things in my head to describe it as, but it is. Here we go. It's like bad Blink One Eight Two B-sides album. Sorry, I'll try it again. It's like a bad Blink One Eight Two B-sides album dipped in acne pus. That was my review of it. It's awful, and I hate it because I really enjoy the last album as I can. Easily get a great hits from those first three albums. Saint Pete, like the the self titled, is fucking brilliant. Actually, like thinking back, and then they've made this. I'm sure in the grand scheme, like the being as an o- ocean um, universe and like fan base, that song it means something to someone, or like it has lineage somewhere. But it's uh, outside of that, it's diabolical. I hate it. It's so woefully awful. Don't listen to it. Absolutely do not. I only put it on here because I had to fill. I thought I had to fill space. I realized I'm running over, and it is over an hour long already. Stay away. I'm fucking. Oh, I'm angry. I don't know if I'm completely done being as an ocean. I have to wait for the next album, but yeah, just know bad things exist. And stay away from Proxy and Animal Story. Let's go for something that's a bit more better. In fact want potentially an album of the year candidate it's pitfalls by leprous they are from notodun in norway i haven't pronounced that right at all it's album number six from them and as i said before with uh Genius, leprous were one of the first outright prog bands to really show me what prog was for me um I listened to bits of the congregation. I thought that was it was so weird and so off-putting at first. I thought, look at him with his weird voice. What a what a dipstick! And then listen, I couldn't stop listening to it as much as I want to make fun of it with this like really high um, falsetto noise uh, vocals. I was like, he's ins- he's brilliant. The music is in- is catchy. It's technical. It's weird. I love it. And then Melina came out and, you know, signposting for albums of the decade. Melina is up there. It is high up there. I love that album. Melina is a fucking triumph of of progressive music for myself. Um, And Leprous became... I ended up realising I was into, like, weird music from Norway. You had Mains, which are like an electro-glitch rock 
outfit. Uh, the Norwegian Shining. Kind of um, Diablo Swing Orchestra, but not... No, it's not Diablo Swing Orchestra. There was a fourth band. I can never remember what it is. And you had Leprous as well. Norway just bringing out the weird, insanely brilliant shit. Um, so when it was announced Leprous got new music on the way, I've posted it on various social media, so I was very, very excited. Um, and then the first song came out, which was Below, and it was way more exper experimental than I was expecting. Um, it deferred to a more rock kind of sound as opposed to their classic um, like m progressive metal kind of thing. It was definitely more rude in prog rock. And honestly, it took a while to sell. I was not sure of it at all. And I think when I talked about it on the show at the time, you could probably tell because I wasn't like jumping up and down for it. I was like, yes, this is a song that they've released. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when Alleviate came out a little bit afterwards, Alleviate came out and it won me over faster than it took for me to warm up to Below. Now, every time I hear, well, every time I read a name, Pitfalls by Leprous, Below is the first song I think of. Ina um, Solberg hitting those massive notes on each of the choruses. Getting super delicate, but still trademark him on the verses. Those huge symphonic swells. Um, Bard, sorry, Bard Kolstad's uh, fun rolling drum beat throughout the song. Below is great. It's great. Alleviate um, came in in its own right. It's fucking insane. That falsetto explosion in the. In the choruses, the way it builds as well, power Einar has in his vote in his voice. It's fucking brilliant. They were such good songs. I purposely stayed away from what was the third song got released? So Distant Bells. I wanted to stay away from it because I, I got to the point where it's like I'm hyped for this album. I want it to stay like minimal interaction with it until it comes out and then let me listen to it. The rest of the album largely remains in the same field as Blow and Alleviate. It is rock over metal. They've got uh, string in the midst. They've got a celloist in the form of Raphael uh, Weinroth Brown or Weinroth Brown. And you've got a violinist in the form of Chris Baum. The way they add a more organic symphonic noise uh, to the album is flatteringly good. It's they accentuate every part of um, the like because I feel like every member of Leprous is cl more classically trained. They uh, complement every bit of technicality that they have built beautifully to show off everything that each member of Leprous can do and can do very fucking well. Um. And in the quieter, more morose songs, like I Lose Hope, it's a chilled, laid back, almost like jazz, kind of cruising kind of song. Observe the Train, a swell of strings with barge drum rolls. Uh, flows the song so wonderfully. That chorus, my God, that chorus, how he just like hits the notes in there. Um, distant Bells, it's very calm. It's a collected build. There's crashing soundscapes of rock and orchestra 
um, in the in like the final act, if you will. Um, very much reminds me of like um, not Swarm of the Sun, yeah, Swarm of the Sun. Is it? No, it's not. Let me see because I want to get this right. That like the way it sort of like swells at the end is very, very post metal. And it's a particular album in, um, that I'm trying to think of. It was a Swarm of the Sun. What was I thinking of? Swallow the Sun. There you go. Yeah, the way Swarm of the Sun did it started the year with the woods, where it starts very quiet, very delicate, and slowly it builds and builds and builds, and then it's just this boom of music right at the end. That's every bit of Distant Bells is. It's brilliant. The whole album's brilliant. When it flirts, the flirts you have with like more outright um, rock music. So you've got Alleviate and Below, which I talked about before. Um, at the bottom is wonderfully dynamic song. And then Foreigner is probably the best, or the closest you'll get to that Molina sound, that like previous sound they've been doing before. And the closing song... The Sky is Red sits somewhere beautifully in the middle of both the sides of Pitfalls' general theme. This is 100% album the year contender for me. It is everything I want from prog music. It's interesting. There's something different happening. They're not um, overindulging anything. Um, and I've seen people say like this should basically be Einar Solberg's um, solo album and I kind of kind of get that um, but the one thing for me which keeps things different to so like you look at a band like Dream Theatre or any of the any of the hundreds of Whitley gent projects um, they you'll get like the key piece of a song or the key part of the band as a whole which are usually guitarists but sometimes you have like a especially with Dream Theater, you've got the keyboard solos. When they're showing off how good those parts are, like the technical guitars or the technical keyboards, the rest of the, the rest of the band become an afterthought. They're there just to, like, to fill in the background, whereas on Pitfalls, each member of the band feels like he has their own part. And it's not just playing like a standard 4-4, shitty beat in the background it is i've spoken about um barge drums before uh simon daniel linstad borven probably that's all those words wrong uh, he's the bassist on the album his little um bass lines just flow and bounce off einar and the guitarist um tor and robin so it's just so wonderfully well and like for that I Lose Hope immediately springs to mind because it, I think like the bass is probably like one of the higher in the mix. Almost like one of um, the co-lead with Einar in the song. Um, the orchestra stuff and the electronic swells add so much drama and so much power to everything every member of this band does. And they allow Einar to indulge his incredible vocals without coming across as overindulgent. In my opinion, I can see why people would say it's a bit like tongue-in-cheek to say he doesn't overindulgent, he's not overindulgent, whereas Dream Theater are. I can see the argument for why Einar could use this as a solo album, but every member of this band 
I feel has the right to be here and has the right to lay claim as a member of Leprous. They are making up, they're consistently conjuring up ways of making progressive music interesting without being repetitive, without being boring. There's one, okay, there's three songs on here that go above six minutes. You know, you look at like a standard prog um, album, like the bigger prog albums, um, six minutes is their like punk rock song or their grindcore song. They are packing so much, so many ideas and so much music and so much different variety into five or four or five, even the Foreigner is three, just under four minutes long. They're packing so much. Uh, what's that song? Alleviate is 342. They're packing so much into normal music of new song sized bundles. I love this. I absolutely adore it. I should I don't want to like well, I don't want to like I shouldn't be liking prog music this much, but what Leprous can do is fucking astounding. Um Einar at the moment, I don't it might just be this this week. I'll probably change my mind by next time I come back, but Einar is just one of my favourite vocalists at the moment. I was so worried that because I saw like um you know, Vocal Coach Reacts video, and it's on about um, Leprous in a live show they did a few years ago. And all every time Einar hit a beat, all she would do is smile. It's like, he's so good. He's so, you can tell he's classically trained. He knows how to hit the notes. He knows how to reverberate a note. He knows how to hold a note. He's brilliant. This whole album is brilliant. It's Pitfalls. It's by Leprous. It is a sixth album I hope I've got like 10 more to come in the future and they're all going to be fucking great as this. Um, if you like your music weird, if you like prog music, give Leprous a go. I sell out the... Is it The Congregation? The album's called? Oop. Yeah. I sell The Congregation, a couple songs from Cole, um, properly dived in on Melina and now obviously we're at Pitfalls. From what I read, though, one of the other reviewers for Pitfalls was talking about Tall Poppy Syndrome, which was their debut. And I said, as far back as that, they were super interesting and fucking fantastic. So I've got fun stuff to go back and listen to. Um, but yeah, that's Leprous. And that concludes this week. I have yabbered on for quite a while, and I feel like people are going to be home any minute now. So I'm going to quickly sign off. Uh, next time I see you, which hopefully be next week, but... You never quite could be too sure with me. Fit for an autopsy. Yep, classic. Well, not classic deathcore. Deathcore with a bit more um, death metal in there. From what I listen to, maybe a little bit more metalcore in there. Who knows? Uh, emo legends. Jimmy World. There's a weird mixtape thing from Puppy. Didn't realize rock bands could do mixtapes. And you've got some more prog. More like Gen East side of prog in Thornhill. And I might look at the. Um, Mike Patton avant-garde jazz album as well who knows um, but that's all coming up next time I see you I hope you have a jolly good time do get in contact with me about any of the points I've raised um, what makes an album good is it singles is it a whole piece is Leprous digressing right now is Nick Cave the status ring right now is being as an ocean just shit let me know all the usual uh, social medias at Desolation Pod but until such time have wonderful times. It's not Christmas. If you start saying it's Christmas, I'll fuck come to your house and sh shank you. We'll go with that. Um, I'm running out of things to say. I'm going to go make an apple pie. Bye.